Praise the Lord and pass the ammunition. It's time for the Gun Guy TV Podcast. Hi, this is Joel Persinger. I'm the Gun Guy. Thank you very much for listening to the podcast and supporting Gun Guy TV the way you do. I'm extremely grateful that you do that. Truthfully, if it weren't for you, I'd be talking to myself. I know I say that a lot, but the truth is you're the important one here. I'm just a guy that's bringing you the information, but uh, you're the one that really is the person that does something with it. So I'm very grateful that you listen and that you support the way you do. Obviously, your time is valuable, and there are a lot of other things you could be doing. So once again, please accept my sincere thanks. The interview I'm going to provide to you today was actually done at SHOT Show in January. We did a whole series of interviews at SHOT Show, and this one was with Frank Johnson from the Liberty First Foundation. Now, Frank's foundation is very small, but they actually do some great work, and Frank is one of my favorite people. He's intelligent. In fact, he's extremely intelligent. He's funny. He's a joy to be around. He's very quick-witted, and... Probably most importantly, from the standpoint of Gun Guy TV, he's extremely passionate about the Second Amendment and about the United States Constitution and the saving and preserving of the rights of Americans. That's one of the things I love about the guy. On this interview were myself, Pete, my son Nick, and Frank Johnson. So when you hear the various voices, you'll know you should be able to figure out who's who, I hope. Like the last couple of interviews, I'm going to produce the entire interview for you on your favorite podcast player free. There won't be a separate part that's just on Patreon. Now, if you're a Patreon subscriber, please accept my apology for that. I will get back to producing podcasts where half is available free on podcast players and the other half's available only on Patreon. It's just with these interviews, I'm of the opinion that the information is so important that every gun owner needs to have access to it. So I hope you'll forgive me for doing that. This time, it's like the last two interviews we did. This one is going to be available for everyone. And you'll also find a video version on YouTube and the other video platforms where we actually publish videos. Now, the one where you won't find it is Daily Motion. And that's because Daily Motion, out of the blue and for no reason we can quite figure out, deleted Gun Guy TV entirely from their site. Their only explanation was that we had somehow violated their content rules. But they gave us no explanation as to what we did. And we haven't been doing anything differently than we've been doing for years, having never violated their content rules before. So I'm not sure what caused all of that. That said, Daily Motion did not have a huge audience in the first place, and not very many people watched the show there. However, if you did, I want to apologize to you for that particular platform going away. You will, however, find us on YouTube, GunStreamer, I have to think about it now, Facebook, Vimeo, the Utah Gun Exchange, and BitChute, which I always have to say carefully so I don't screw it up. So there's lots of places you can find Gun Guy TV. Unfortunately, Daily Motion is no longer one of them. All right, having explained all of that, let's get right into the interview with Frank Johnson from the Liberty First Foundation at SHOT Show. I'm just thrilled to be here with Frank from the Liberty First Foundation. We, you know, Nick was like, is Frank going to be there? I said, I don't know. I haven't been able to reach him. And then I get here and I bump into him in the press room. He says, I've been trying to reach you. So, uh, Yeah, we've had uh, a, a couple of life-changing experiences over uh, the last few months. And uh, unfortunately, some of them put a demise to all of our contact information. Oh, is that right? Yeah, such as a computer that got crushed, a phone that got squished battery that had exploded and somebody packed up all my business cards and contact information and put it in a box that we can no longer find oh my after gosh. moving from New York to North Carolina. Oh my oh you moved. Oh, well, that, yeah. oh, that so that pretty lot. much explains no, that it. explains a lot. Yeah, Absolutely. We, yeah. yeah we finally made the great escape out of the You got uh, out of you got out of the People's Socialist Republic of New York. Yes and I'm finally, still in the People's Socialist Republic of California. I'm, dude I keep throwing that rope over that over that fence trying to pull you guys out but he, you don't want to come. Nick and I mean, we're neither one of us small people, and he's certainly not small, and still we had to crawl under the razor wire and pass the guard tower in order to get over here. So. Um, it's unbelievable. I, I, New York is, I don't know if it can be saved at this point. The oh, sure. legislature has gone so far, it, it, it's just, it, it's so sad to see that 85% of the people that live in the state of New York that have a fundamental appreciation for the Constitution are being held captive by a 15% of the population that wants to control them, and the 85% have acquiesced their ability to fight back out of apathy. 
They don't want to mobilize. They don't want to get out to vote. That's not a question of whether it can be saved. It's whether the people of New York wish to save it will actually make the effort. I think that's where the question lies, is are they willing to make the effort and are they going to do it? California is the same way. I mean, we have the same problems. Um, you know, a lot of gun owners in California, three, four million of them or something, something like that. I don't know, eight million, eight million, is that what it is? Eight million gun owners in California. You'd think we could make a difference. But people don't necessarily want to fight for the rights. So can the right be saved? Sure. Absolutely. I, I refuse. I've been in a lot of fist fights, brother, I can tell you. And I've never been in one that I didn't think I could win. Now, there were a few I thought I could win, and it didn't turn out that way. But nevertheless, <laughs> okay, you know, this is the same way. This is a fight that requires people to get in there and actually duke it out with the, you know, in, in the courts and, and uh, at, the voter, at the voting booth and so on. And those of us that are willing to do that get to help try to educate and motivate those who are feeling apathetic and hope that they do. But well, I refuse to give up. Well, we're absolutely not defeatist in attitude. It's just sometimes you look at that cloud hanging over and you say all the work that goes into trying to get people motivated. Like, what is missing? What is that key element that is going to spur people to action? And then we look at what happened in Virginia. And yeah. the people in Virginia actually did what I would hope the people in New York and California and New Jersey and all these other states that have been living under the thumb of this this false notion that gun owners are somehow evil, you know, that we are how somehow responsible for all the ills of the world. And I said, what what happened in Virginia? And what happened was they pushed too far. And I believe, well, because we have a governor of Virginia who, due to some uh, youthful indiscretions that would have ended most other political careers, uh, he chose that he would go after the sacred cow and go after gun owners to deflect a lot of the criticism from him, from his lieutenant governor, from his attorney general. And that coalesced the forces of the anti-gun movement. And they said, oh, well, let's forget about those photographs. Let's forget about those comments and those statements. And they just pushed all the way forward. And I think with that perfect storm, a lot of the gun owners said, you know what? No, no, now is the time to start getting active. This, this would not have been happening in any other you know, state had this person not deflected as much as he did. In Virginia, though, I think unlike California or New York, for that matter, Virginia has had for a long time a very strong Second Amendment community. And a, lot of, a lot of people are gun owners in Virginia, and they, they're used to, they're accustomed to having their rights intact. Right. And then suddenly their rights are threatened. Where I think in California, our rights have been crushed for so long now that there isn't that initial, there isn't that, that already established group of people who currently have their rights and suddenly you're going to flip a switch and take them away and there's that, that kind of like that reaction. I call it the inflatable clown. You know those, yeah. the clowns with the weighted bottom. If you bop it, all of a sudden it goes back and comes right back at you. And so what I see in Virginia is a lot of inflatable clown. I mean, these folks were just humming along, and all of a sudden these anti-gunners come along and smack them in the face. We're taking the guns away. And, of course, they reared back and came up and went, wait a minute, you're not taking that. Right. Well, I, I'm not sure how that dynamic we're works the, uh, in California. We're, we're the comfortable frog. Right? That's exactly the we're analogy the, we're the frog, We're the frog that got in the, got in the water when it was room temperature, and they've turned the heat up, and it's boiling now, and we're toast. Whereas Virginia, they threw they're trying right try, the to throw right into the boiling water. Boy, you know what? We're mixing our metaphors, but I think I like yours better than mine. I think that's exactly right. That's exactly right. They yeah. tried to throw the frog into boiling water, and he complained. Where we've been getting cooked a little at a time. And I think yeah. New York, New Jersey, a lot of these places are the same yeah, way. Yeah, they've been, they've been beat down so much and demoralized over the last 20, 30, 40 years that they believe that this is the norm. And the next generation of gun owners has now grown up in a set of circumstances where they've been born into already having their rights restricted and having to understand that New York City that if you want to go get a premise permit for your, your home to defend your home with a shotgun, it's going to cost you $1,000. It's going to cost, take two years of your time. You're going to have to go in front of a judge and justify why you need a shotgun to defend your home. You're listening to the Gun Guy TV podcast. Please pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. I've personally been through it getting the concealed carry permit in New York City. I had to do it for as a matter of my job, and that was somebody likened it to printing gold bars. They said, if you're a private citizen with a concealed carry permit in New York City, you can work anywhere, do anything you want to do. You could do security, charge whatever you want, because nobody else has got a legal gun. 
I said, all right, well, that was fine. I did it through work. And I know people who try to do it as a private citizen. They're three years in, $5,000 in, have been denied, approved, denied, approved. And it's like, why aren't, why aren't we taking this to court in New York City? It's, it's five boroughs. It's five boroughs. It's an infinitesimal little piece of area in New York State yeah. that is completely outnumbered by gun owners in the rest of the state. But, it's, but they outnumber us in the amount of people that believe the notion that guns are bad. And they've just grown up in it. It's, it's absolutely horrible to see. And upstate New York gunners, their rights were slowly eroded away by the SAFE Act. Uh, the restrictions on capacities of magazines, uh, features on rifles, just cosmetic. And, you know, what you can, what you can't buy now. But the ager, aged population of upstate New York is bolt-action rifles, lever-action rifles, pump-action shotguns. They're not coming after my guns. But Cuomo came out and said, yes, we are. Right. Yeah. But they're saying, well, you know, it, it's up for the next generation to fight. Well, the next generation already is used to not owning the gun. It's not, it's not a lot different than, than the difference between my dad and I. My dad, when he got his first gun at the age of 12... His dad ordered it for him from, from the Sears catalog, and it was mailed to his house, right? And, and in those days, if, he had, if his dad had had enough money to buy him an automatic, he could have bought him, a, bought him an automatic, mm-hmm. right? Had it delivered to the house. I have never seen that. I've never had a chance to participate in that. So that's foreign to me. Maybe. So... Yeah, we can't get accessories mailed to our house in New York. We can't get ammunition. We have to, if I want to buy a case of ammunition. coming right there. Yeah, if I have to buy a case of ammunition, I have to have it shipped into my local FFL. Then I have to go over there and pay a $20 transfer fee for it and fill out a form before I can take my ammunition home. When did you move to California? I said New York. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I know. The same is the case with California. I'm like, did you move into my neighborhood? Is the spelling somehow? Yeah, I I don't know, but it seems like it's the same. I think I'm the right I, and left coast. It's yeah, crazy. I, must, I must be reading my reading my newspaper backwards. But but that was one of the reasons why uh, you know after establishing the Liberty First Foundation, one of the problems that we had was we have gun manufacturers that would like to be able to send us firearms for us to do a test and analysis on. They kind of like the way we do it, but then they say we can't send that to you. Right. Yeah. You guys are dealing with it all the time. We know that you have to go out of state to film. So I got to go over to Sprague's and Yuma. Yeah, and you have yeah. to, and the gun is now in the possession of the FFL over there, and you can't take it home with you because no. uh-uh. California's got that list. Yeah. I mean, I can, I can go off the property and go over to, to uh, another range, like if it's a long range thing, I can go over to the Air Dare range and shoot, but they have to send somebody from the gun store with me Yeah, you for me to do it because to I can't, they can't leave it with me. I'm not an FFL, so right. they have to accompany me with it. And that's, I mean, we don't have, we don't have the uh, model restrictions that you guys have. But we have other restrictions about weight. There's certain guns they won't allow because of the weight. One of the examples is semi-automatic handguns that weigh above 50 ounces. Well, when they wrote the SAFE Act, <clears throat> what they tried to do was individually pick out guns that they didn't want the public to have access to. Some of those were the MAC-10, the MAC-11, the Uzi pistol, even in the semi-automatic variety. But because of certain constitutional rights about equal protection, you can't select one particular company or model or you single you, them out. You, you can't single them out. You yeah. had to go to a broadband and find something that was very specific as to why you can't have that one. So they said, well, what is an Uzi way? And they wound up coming up with the determination that 50 ounces is the cutoff. No semi-automatic handguns over 50 ounces. But with that restriction came a tremendous blow to the sports shooting competition because many of the 22 caliber rimfire rifles that are used in bullseye competitions when ordered with Volkortsen components and, and nice you know, grips and they're custom molded are coming in oh, at they weigh more than 51, I do, 52 yeah, ounces. Right. They're heavy, yeah. So now you have semi-automatic rounds with... You know, that are specifically designed for that one aspect of the sport are completely banned. And then along with that went the Desert Eagle. The Desert Eagle in, in 50 AE is banned in New York State. Now, I bought a Smith & Wesson 500 Magnum. 
It's a much more powerful round than the 50 AE. It weighs significantly more than 50 ounces. But it's not semi-automatic. But it's not semi-automatic. <laughs> so you say, well, what, what was the big benefit of eliminating these guns under a particular weight if I could buy this cannon and bring it home? If you were so concerned about the tremendous damage and impact that could be done by one particular round of Well, this firearm. one I just bought will go through my house, my neighbor's house, and the house next door. Yeah, it's... Yeah. It, it, that's why I said the, the rules and the laws in New York, not only are they are archaic, but they, they're symptomatic of a disease of ignorance. Oh, yeah, sure. And most of, most of the people that they see, they see these guns that they want to ban. It's mostly cosmetic. It has nothing to do with the functionality of it. You can buy a uh, New York State Safe Act approved AR-15 that is functionally identical to one that you would buy in Virginia or North Carolina or South Carolina, but it's missing a bayonet lug. It's missing a top handle. You can't have a pistol grip. You can't have this. Now, of course, we have NFA items that we're not allowed to put on it, you know, for whatever those other ridiculous reasons are. Right. But when you look at it, it's, okay, well, I can take this grip off and put this grip on, and it's, it's, now, it, now it's a felony. It doesn't change anything about the gun except the level of comfort for the user. It doesn't make it more accurate. It doesn't make uh, the shooter more proficient. It's just a matter of having the option to say, okay, do, is my, do I drive my car with the seat reclined a little bit or do I drive with it upright? It's a matter of preference. It's a matter of what makes you comfortable. It doesn't make you a better driver if you, if you suck at driving. It doesn't matter what position you're you driving in. driving, whether the seat is up or back. You're going to suck regardless. Yep. You know, and, if, and no matter what cosmetic changes there are on a gun, if you have good intentions for your firearm, you're only going to use it for good purposes. And if you have an evil intention, it doesn't matter if the gun is pink with a unicorn horn sticking out the top of it. And, you know, <laughs> you have no idea. And, and the rainbow inside bright joke stickers. you just did. Uh, <laughs> that's, 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 okay. that's Nick's new gun. That's Nick's new gun. Well, yeah, we just got the video on it. I am I'm going to love watching that on the Patreon. <laughs> that is going to be fantastic. Yeah, it's up right now. Oh, well, like I said, I wish to God in the last couple of months I've been able to do anything but concentrate on this show and our fundraiser that we're doing. Before and you leave, we'll show you the video if we can. Oh, it's well, hilarious. Good. It's hilarious. Yeah, oh, you got it? Oh, good. Okay. Before you, before you leave, before Jeez. we're done, right, we'll make sure you get a chance. Worst decision I've made is picking up that little gun. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. We've had so much fun with it since. What the heck? <laughs> well, you know, worst decision so far. Oh, that's a good point. <laughs> I'm still young. That's right. There's two days left of the show. Uh, uh. Yeah, so what's going on with Liberty First? Uh... Liberty First is on the verge of finally, finally organizing our membership-driven organization. Uh, we've been putting together a benefits package for people who want to become members that is going to be so appealing that you would have absolutely no way to justify not becoming a member. And uh, I'm not going to go into many of the details of it, but of course there's going to be discount codes involved with some major corporations that are in the Second Amendment industry, plus we're going to have, you know, uh, certain content that's going to be specifically available for members, but non-members are still going to be able to get the same content and articles and everything that we're doing now, except we're going to be taking it to the next degree. But I can tell you if, we, if our entry-level membership is $10 for the oh. year and $15 for renewal, but I'm saving you 5% on a $1,000 rifle, well, how could you not do that. You 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 have forty bucks you in the money. positive. Yeah, you're you making made money. money on it. <laughs> you made money, right? Uh, we've just uh, become the brand new affiliate for USCCA, so we're going to be working with them to try and promote more people to be able to get uh, insured. So that not only because some of the states are going to be requiring that people do it, but it is a good idea to be able to protect yourself not only from a financial standpoint, from uh, any sort of criminal and other legal standpoint, if you should ever have to feel the need that you have to defend yourself, your family, or, or a third party. So you really should get some sort of coverage. Now, in New York, they have gotten to the point where they've uh, banned most carry insurances and then at the same time write legislation requiring you to have it. 
Well, that was the point. Yes. Yeah. yeah the, that will fail because you can't legislate a requirement that you know you can't be met in your location. Right. But, but the problem is true. they can make the laws faster than we can take up to court and get rid of them. Well, and, when that's, and that's the point of why they make the laws. They know very, very well that by the time it gets to a point where you have a final adjudication of the law, the damage has already been done. Saving the Second Amendment, one episode at a time. This is the Gun Guy TV Podcast. The ambiguity in the law is going to cause a lot of problems where people are going to throw up their hands and give up. That's going to be the first wave. The second wave is going to be the people who say, I don't have the money to afford being able to defend myself against these things. I can't hire a lawyer. I'm afraid of getting locked up. I don't want no part of it. Then they throw their hands up. And then after we win, then appeal, then win, then appeal, the state, and when I mean the state, I don't mean any one of the states. The state as in the government, the entity of the body of the government as the state. The state has an unlimited supply of funds that they can spend any which way they want, and they use our money to fight us while we use our money to defend ourselves. And they don't care how long it takes. They know they're going to lose in the no, long run. That's because they're continue picking your pocket so they yeah. can pay the bill. And, right. But they're going to bleed us dry the whole way there and try to demoralize, demoralize us as best they can on the way. I was just saying, uh, in the state of California, we've, we just lost the micro stamp lawsuit and the the lawsuit was basically the technology doesn't exist for micro stamping it's it's an unproven un unavailable technology to the gun manufacturers but the state said we don't care whether or not it's available or not it's required on all new semi-automatic pistols and the court upheld that they said just because the technology doesn't exist doesn't mean the state can't require it. And, so do you know at and, what at what level of the court? Was that at Superior Court level or Ninth, ninth Circuit or what? Do you know? Uh, no, I think it's Ninth. The 99th struck again? Yeah. yeah. Which means now it's got to be you, da- dragged all the way to the Supreme Court. And, you know, a very small percentage of those were ever heard. So we'll have to wait and see. And think about the interesting dichotomy of that law. When they talk about the Second Amendment, they talk about what was available to the population at the time that the Constitution was ratified. What did the founders intend? Well, they intended on what was available at the time. They could not foresee a time in the future when we would have had this technology that would have enabled an individual person to fire more than two rounds in one minute. So they they look at the past and they say, well, we're going to make our argument based on what they thought would never come to pass, and now you're fighting with them making the decision of saying, don't worry, eventually technology will catch up with it. Well, it, even, though, even though they're wrong, there were, there were firearms that were rapid fire yeah. back, back in those days, yes. too. They also founding fathers, I think, I, I'm, I'm not sure, but I don't remember anywhere in the Federalist Papers them talking about Twitter for free speech. Yeah. Or Larry Flint's publication for free speech. You didn't read the Federal... Three, 321 or whatever. No, I must have missed the Federalist paper where YouTube uh, is protected by free speech. Yes, will I, I someone please reboot the Liberty Bell? Mike Quilleth has runneth out of Wi-Fi. <laughs> that is that was not a that was not an argument heard at, at the time. Yeah. Just ridiculous. <laughs> we have to sit back and laugh sometime about, about how ridiculous this stuff is because it's the only out we have from driving ourselves absolutely mad trying to, one, understand the opposition, and two, try to fight the opposition. We have to laugh at it sometimes, find a little bit of the humor, but we can never get too far away from the seriousness of the task at hand. Well, I think you made a great point, even joking around about the Liberty Bill, and, and so did you, is that the problem is that these theoretical applications of history are applied unequally. They're applied selectively to the things that they wish to ban or control and not to the things that they don't want to argue. Right. And that all has to do with the fact that we have judge picking. You know, you're not going to find certain arguments brought up in front of one judge that you wouldn't bring up in front of another one. They select whatever case is going to go and they because they understand the logic of an individual judge. A lot of people would courage, uh, call it judicial activism, but it's the perception of that particular judge, how they would view a particular argument. A lot of times they're not really looking at the merits of the case, but the value of the argument that's being made. And certain judges are a little bit more logical, some judges are a little bit more uh, emotional. 
they're not necessarily saying that they're taking the context of the Constitution and tearing it apart to fit the judgment. They're looking at it in a way to fit their logic and how the argument was presented to them. So they really judge shop not based on the merits of the law, but on the merit and the strength of their argument. Does this argument fit this judge's compass? And they'll then they do that specifically. That's why you'll see certain judges on the Ninth Circuit that'll hear one gun case, but another judge, but another case that's a little different won't go in front of the same judge, because they the anti-gun people know well that judge is going to look at our argument a little differently than he did the other argument. It's and that's why it gets a, to the next one. It's taking a it has taken a very long time for us to learn that, and I think we have learned it in a great way. Most recently, particularly in California with Judge Benitez, because we know that Judge Benitez is going to rule in a specific way with specific cases. And so the Second Amendment community in California, specifically the California Rifle and Pistol Association Gun Owners of California with Sam Paredes, who's walking by. It's good to see you, Sam. And, uh, and NRA and, and uh, whatnot. They specifically tried to get that case for the magazine ban, the 10-round plus magazine ban in front of Judge Benitez because they had a strong suspicion that they'd win, and they did. And so now every Second Amendment case they're trying to file in such a way that it lands squarely on his desk. Well, anti-gunners have been doing this for decades, and it's take, we've been kind of slow on the uptake figuring out how to play this game. Now that we've learned how to play the game, all of a sudden they don't want the game to be able to be played that way because we've under, now we understand what they've been doing. We're starting to do it, and we're starting to get some victories in certain places. Which means at some point they want to now change the rules. Oh, you can't do that. <laughs> because it no longer is, is a benefit to them. Yeah. So it's going to be interesting to see how that fleshes out. So you, you got yourself out of New York and you moved. Got into North Carolina, just about a half hour outside of Charlotte. You live in the United States. I live in the United States again. I, I am now. Do ca- I recognize I am, that accent? <laughs> <laughs> North Carolina. I, I got yeah. to tell you, it's. I really. I thought it was a culture shock moving from New York City, the Brooklyn area, to, to upstate New York. I was a flatlander from the moment I got there. I mean, you know, I, I'm going to resort to my not so non-regional accent for a moment when you kind of sound like this and you walk around in upstate new york everybody looks at you like well, who's this mama luke over here get this guy out of here you know <laughs> this guy ain't one of us and now i was all right i finally got accepted for what it was worth being a flatlander yeah and then i got out and now i'm in north carolina and i'm here i am expecting to you know hear y'all and this and the only thing i'm actually hearing is please and thank you and I'm hearing it in New York accents. There are so many New Yorkers that moved to North Carolina to get away from it. And they all said the same thing. They said, we did not come down here with New York values. Well, it's like, it's like getting past the Berlin Wall at some yeah. point. You're getting from, you know, from east to west. But uh, so, so, so far, we've been doing pretty good. We've been down there since July. And nobody has told me, well, bless your heart. Well, well, aren't you sweet? Bless your heart. No one's told me that yet, so I'm going to chalk that up as a victory. Aren't you sweet is, uh, look at this idiot. You know, it, it, it's usually something completely different. So the fact that nobody's here, told I thought me, I was being nice. Obviously, I'm well, not you from North Carolina. Well, you want being nice. <laughs> you, you used the, what, we, what we would assume would be the meaning of it. I did. The, the, I, the, the, the phonetical know. spelling came out right, but we didn't, you didn't capture the essence I didn't get the essence of the, of the whole thing. Yeah. Oh, but gosh. so far, I've, I've been batting a thousand. I'm loving it in North Carolina. The only problem that I've had so far is finding someplace to shoot. That has been the biggest challenge for us. In I mean, the Carolinas, you can't find a place to shoot. I am really? dumbfounded. I am too. I am completely shocked. I, I am appalled with it. I, I actually had to write Maybe a, you should have moved to South Carolina at this point. Well, that's what a lot of people have said, that there's a lot more land in South Carolina where I they was have kidding. open ranges. It really? And it it's still would be a 45-minute drive from my house to get to the nearest range in South Carolina to go over the border and shoot over there. Fortunately, I've made a couple of friends that have uh, private training facilities that I'm able to go to their land and do some shooting with. Uh, 
within a half hour of the house, it's about the same drive as I was doing up in New York to get some of my outdoor ranges. I can't really do reviews on an indoor range very often. Not only because you get lousy audio and the video is horrible, but because you got 12 other guys standing next to you in a stall and nobody wants to wait two hours for you to be done filming a video where you just shot 10 rounds. You know, because you have to do so many angles and takes and you can't go downrange and put cameras the other way. So you want to be able to do it outside. Try and find some place to do it. You has can been go a downrange and put cameras the other way. But I want to watch gonna, you do it. Yeah. <laughs> well, they, I, ha- we, we, I hope you can bob and weave and uh, duck really we, fast. <laughs> my daughter bought me a small drone to, to practice with. So before yeah. we get the big one and... You know, she says, you know, if you bring that to the range, somebody's going to shoot oh, that thing. Oh, they're going to shoot know, that like, thing I, full I of pieces. They'll shoot it as, maybe not. If, if, as long as it doesn't have, like, an Amazon package hanging from the bottom of it, it might survive the trip. Yep. You know, no, there's no freebies if they shoot that one down. No, it's just going to be really right. a really ticked-off gun owner. Put, sending a, put it a little cardboard AR-15 underneath. <laughs> and then everybody will... Everybody like, oh, cool, dude. I, yeah. Well, I, I did see the a, I did see the drone with the flamethrower on it, and I've been really tempted to, to pick one of those up. The opinions expressed by the gun guy are always right, unless they're wrong. Uh, my girlfriend just well, the day before yesterday called me while I'm at Chacho, and she says, I'm going over to the airport today. I'm going to start taking flying lessons. And then... This is a woman who five years ago, would I had to almost drug her to get her on her first plane ride. And now, now she calls me back a little while later and she says, I just flew a plane. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah, well, she also yelled at me that I'm spending too much money on food in Vegas. And then I found that she spent two hundred dollars to fly a plane for three seconds with somebody sitting well, that's right next. Because you're spending her plane money. That's mm-hmm. what you're doing. Oh, well, okay. Let's yes, call it what it is. Yeah, you're, you're eating. I'm, I'm you, foolish for the, to be you're, fed. You're eating the plane money, <laughs> yeah. and you need to knock it off. That's the thing. Uh, yeah, hey, you know, we all got to cross the bear. That one's mine. I, I don't care what. <laughs> I don't care what she does. If she's happy, I'm happy. I want to support her in everything that she does. She's a wonderful person, a wonderful woman. She's been really backing us up 110% for since day one. She doesn't but want to come to... she's not your camera girl this time. No, my, uh, my, my partner in the Liberty First Foundation, my co-founder, Michael Marshall, who for the last three years, we have been working hand-in-hand. Hand. I spend more time with him than I do just about everybody else via electronics. And the very first time after three years that we actually met in person was here at Shot Shop. Mm-hmm. And we both lived in, in the, we both lived in New York State for the first two and a half years of what we were doing, but it was four hours away. <coughs> so we never really had a chance to drive up to one's house or the other. Our schedules could never, you know, work out right. And then I moved to North Carolina, and I said, "All right, let, that's it. We got to get together this year. You're coming to Shot Show, Michael. You got to get there." And now we came to Shot Show, and we met for the very first time. Well, it's like Joel and I. We live an hour apart. I spend more time with him in Vegas. Cumulatively, than I get to when we're at home. <laughs> and it's, I live I live at home, and he and he spends. I don't get to spend that much time with him. Working. Well, that's well, that's by choice. Oh, oh. You know, what, I, what was I, your name again? Yeah, right, right. Because right. from what I understand, there's a video going around about you and this gun that's a little questionable. Oh, so I yeah. Think right. you know, <laughs> it, might, it might be a certain level of embarrassment. So we're over at the Kalashnikov booth, and they've got the Roni. Yes, I've, I've... And the Roni's kind of cool. You know, you drop your handgun in there and you make it into whatever you want, right? Yeah. So Nick wanders around looking at the Roni, and he finds this Roni that you could you describe it. So I found this Roni that uh, had a really cool paint job on it. It's similar <laughs> to a mixture of, like, a My Little Pony and SpongeBob SquarePants. Somewhere there's a unicorn like in there, I know. mixture. But, and yeah. I grabbed a hold of it, and Pete just snapped photos out of nowhere. I wasn't ready. <laughs> I, sh- I knew I should not have even touched it. I want you to have heard the word, not photo. Photos. Many. Photos. Yeah, many. <laughs> yeah, many. He took video. <laughs> yes. He just wanted he wanted to let it go. Thank you, Pete. Yes, that the, saved the, my life. The moments of embarrassment are always caught in in multiples. They're, yes. they're, so what in, are some goals of yours uh, for Liberty for, First this year? What's the, what are you trying to really strive for? Uh, you know, we've been very, very, very effective in staying below the radar and one of the and to our detriment and but to the advantage of the second amendment community a lot of the the words that you're going to be hearing written in some of the sanctuary city policies have been taken directly out of 
letters and writings from the Liberty First Foundation. We have been contributing to a lot of the a lot of the argument, making suggestions, doing research, trying to find historical things that we can look back and say, okay, this is how you can justify these things when these counties are going for it. Uh, we have always felt that we didn't care who got the credit so long as something good got done. Because we're not about us, we're about you know the community. Right. Unfortunately, financial burdens do not always play out that way, as you're both well aware, that if, well, nobody knows who you are and you're not getting any support, it's kind of continue to continue doing what you've been doing. I sold my business and liquidated everything two and a half years ago and have been funding the organization. Michael Marshall, my partner, has been working probably an additional 20 hours a week for overtime so that we could both facilitate making sure that we're paying the bills, keeping the lights on, getting our travel expenses done and everything else. And we tried reaching out to the communi community and we've, we said, we don't want to just ask for a donation. Even though we're already giving back to the community with the website and all the social media platforms and everything, we didn't want to just say, hey, we could use some money. Because people can say, well, what are you doing? Short memory. Everybody's always got a short memory. So we decided that we would do a fundraising effort this year and offer prizes and do it as sort of a, a raffle, so to speak. And we enlisted the help of Keith Berry, who owns 5150 Rifles. He's the gentleman who made the Liberty Rifle for SHOT Show for last year. If you oh, nice. guys remember, we had the article about the Liberty Rifle for Randy Couture's uh, Extreme Couture Foundation. Uh, extreme, the Extreme GI Couture Foundation. <laughs> I got to get that right. If Randy hears me I don't, and I get it wrong, I don't want to get punched <laughs> in the face. Yeah, you'll get, you'll you get told about it. Yeah, so uh, when we saw that rifle and we saw that, we, we decided back then that if we were ever going to have a rifle commissioned, it was going to be by Keith Perry and 5150 Rifles. So we did just that. Well, SHOT Show is a great opportunity because Keith Berry, who's making our rifle, has got six of his other rifles on display here at the show in various booths, and the booths are owned by the companies that he's gotten the base products from. Uh, Unitop Precision, uh, Precision, they're helping us out with it. Uh, we have Barrel... I'm not going to plug everybody's name because... You I'm can. Gonna, go ahead. I'm, I'm not, a couple no, minutes. No, there's a reason I'm not going to plug everybody's name. I was going to say, plug away. Go. No, because no, I right. want to plug the website. Because our build list for the $10,000 rifle is on the website. There you go. Oh, there you go. And, we are, you go. and we're linked on the website to every one of the companies that's helping us out. And now, you said you're not a social media genius. No, I'm, Come on. No, I'm not a genius. I'm, I'm just a little smart. But what, what, we've, what we've done is we have, we have the parts. The parts are not being donated. The parts are being purchased. The labor is not being donated. The labor is being paid for. We made sure that everybody who was going to be a part of this was getting what they earned for the work that they're doing. So we have to pay for this rifle. Our barrel is, is taking two and a half months to custom cut. The rifle has a name. It's called the Legend of Liberty. Okay. Oh, oh, that's right. nice. I like, I like that. Yeah, that's a great yeah, name. We yeah, have like the Legend of Liberty is a bolt action Legend 350 Winchester cartridge being fired out of a 20-inch solid stainless steel bull barrel Wow! with a 17 to 1 twist ratio that is going to push out the effective range of that cartridge from 350 to 500 yards. We selected this base platform due to the fact that it's a straight wall big bore round. With a straight wall cartridge, it is legal in every county in the United States that allows hunting. So we weren't going to go with a shouldered cartridge like a Creedmoor round or a 223, a 556, or any of those. We wanted a straight wall cartridge that could be used everywhere because Liberty should be everywhere. Yep. There you go. Yep. Now, our rifle is going to be absolutely spectacular in appearance. It's going to start off with, looking from the muzzle down, a gold anodized muzzle brake that is being hand cut, high polished to a high oh, polished... Oh, look at Pete's face. Right. Go, hold it back, okay. hold it back. Okay. Okay. Hold it back. Oh, right. baby. Back up, bro. Back oh, up. Oh, baby. We have, we, have a, we have a heavy bull barrel in stainless steel that was being high polished to a mirror-like sheen. Now, I want you to see... Uh, one of the things I love about Frank, the dude could sell 
refrigerators to Eskimos. All right. He, okay, so he sees Pete's face and he immediately... And I'm focusing. We somehow vanished from I the have, I have, He's making eye contact I with I have Peter. selected my target and I'm going in <laughs> for the kill. going in for the kill. But, <laughs> all right, now, anyway, when, when we come out of the barrel, we get to the body of the rifle. The body of the rifle is going to be Cerakoted in the stars and bars, the red, white, and blue of America, starting with the top of the rifle where it's going to be the field of stars oh, leading wow. into red and white stripes. And in the red and white stripes is going to be laser engraved the Constitution of the United States featuring the Second Amendment prominently. When we get to the stock of the gun, the Liberty Foundation logo is going to be on both sides of it with the title of the gun, Legend of Liberty, One of a Kind. Because wow. this rifle is never They'll going never to be, be able one. to be duplicated. No. Every single component. Now, you can buy the individual components, but our components, after they are in-house, Keith Berry is having every single one of them laser etched, laser engraved. They're all going to be hand-worked, hand-fitted, hand-polished, yeah. and everything. So not a single component of this rifle will be able to be purchased with the exception of the trigger. And the trigger is going to be an adjustable trigger that is going to be from six pounds to three ounces. So this is going to be a magnificent. You've just you're just entered <laughs> you've just entered Pete's world. If he has a trigger under two pounds on any rifle he or over two pounds on any rifle he has, I'll be stunned. Right now, I got a couple twenty twos that I think come in at six or seven pounds. Uh, well, yeah, but you never you never do anything with them. You know, that's for well, the kids to shoot. Shooting straight and always right on target. This is the Gun Guy TV podcast. We, we figured that we wanted to have a rifle that was going to be an outstanding display piece because we had hoped that if we'd sold all 1,000 tickets at $25. Now, here's, here's where it gets, people say, oh, well, that's a lot of money. It's a lot of tickets, $25,000. I'm like, dude, we've got $13,000 in prizes that we have to pay for. That leaves us $12,000. Right. But out of that $12,000, we've only earmarked $2,000 for the Liberty First Foundation. The rest of the money that we raise, we're donating to other Second Amendment organizations. We're going to be donating money to the well-armed woman. We're going to be donating, donating money to Black Guns Matter. We're donating money to Armed and Safe. We're donating money to the Second Amendment Foundation. We're donating money to the most important one of all, in my opinion, is Hold My Guns. Hold My Guns is a suicide prevention organization that is going to help us take the place of red flag laws so that if you know somebody who's got a mental defect or deficit that needs help, they will help us provide us with taking that individual, securing their firearms in the possession of an FFL or another qualified gun owner until that person is able to seek and find the treatment that they need to get over their depression where they can once again be trusted to not do something stupid because suicide is an extremely temporary solution for what are usually very temporary problems. For me, I think it, you mean an extremely permanent solution it, yeah, for yeah. a temporary problem. Yeah, I'm a little dyslexic today, but it, it's a little, it gets me to, to use a, a phrase that my Yiddish friends use, verklempt. Uh, I lost my brother-in-law to suicide oh, a few sure years ago, and it, when we knew that he was going through his depression, we did everything we could to secure the firearms off-premises. Mm -hmm. And he was such a brilliant individual that he could have figured out 60,000 ways to kill himself on any given day, but he chose to use a rifle. I have my own reason why I believe he did that in that particular way. I won't get into it. It's a, it's a family minutia that you don't have to... Nothing bad, but I think he was trying to spare my sister-in-law some egregious errors. And... Uh, even though we got all the firearms out of his house, is the very first moment that she, that he had the opportunity. My sister-in-law went out to deliver Meals on Wheels, and he got in his car, ran to a porn store, and not porn, P-O-R-N, P-A-W-N, mm -hmm. and bought a used rifle and came home, went down the basement and shot himself. Wow. And we, this is not the first suicide in my family, uh, not, certainly not the first death in my family, but this is one that was very impactful for me because my brother-in-law was an idol to me. I never met somebody who was so absolutely incredible. He would read Omni Magazine like I would read the funny papers. Uh, this is a guy who was just beyond the, beyond the pale brilliant. That's what I say. He could have figured out a thousand ways to kill himself. He didn't have to go this route. But this was the easiest one. And when we deal with organizations that do suicide prevention, we have to get somebody the help 
for the easy way out first and then always after that. The only way we can do that is by getting them treatment. We have to secure them, get them treatment. But we also understand that we don't want to destroy somebody's lives by putting that scarlet letter around the neck that the government is going to do with these red flag laws. It's really a red letter law because they're hanging that M for mental illness around somebody's neck. And in most of the times that we're going to see with these red flag laws, the red flag laws are going to be filed against somebody without any justification or cause. Oh, it's already happening. Yeah, it's, it's happening, happening every day. And the unfortunate thing is that once it's done, it's so, it's so difficult to undo that in some cases it's nigh on impossible. Right. And, and that's now if somebody can prove that they're not a threat or prove that they have not committed a crime or they have no intention of committing a crime, that's fine. Eventually, if you can get to the point, you're fine. But there's not going to be any real, there's not an arrest record, because this is a civil order that the judge orders when they come and get your guns. It's not a criminal charge. So people don't realize you do not have the right to legal representation provided to you by the, by the state. You have to pay for your own legal representation. Now imagine having about a depression, and somebody comes from the government and they take your guns. It doesn't matter if you're ever given a diagnosis or a prognosis that says you're 100% fine, you're never going to get your guns back. No, they're gone. They're gone forever. Yeah, they're gone. Now, if we can have an organization that can step in the place of the government and put a hand up and say, no, stop, you're not coming any further, this is one of ours, we'll take care of this. And we police our own community by helping our own members. And we be their bridge between somebody doing something bad and getting them the help that they need all the better. Even if that gets to the point where they say, you know what, I'm still going to be dealing with a bound of depression. I don't want my guns back anymore because I'm afraid I might hurt myself. You know what? Good. Thank God we got there. Thank God that Sarah from, from Hold My Guns will be able to do that for somebody because that person can then still go get a job. They can still have a background check without having something on it that says that they were involuntarily committed or involuntarily treated or that they had their guns taken away from them by the government. We can get them the help without ruining their lives. And that's one of the reasons why we are trying as hard as we can to support that group. And that's when people say, well, why are you, you know, helping all these other groups? I said, because that's what the Liberty First Foundation was founded to do. We weren't founded to collect money from members and buy guns and have fun going to the range. We were founded to provide a positive outcome for people in the Second Amendment community by finding, finding unique solutions to very difficult problems. I think it's important to, to highlight that for you guys, too, because there's every time I turn around, there's a new Second Amendment organization. They're all trying to reinvent the wheel. And they don't like the fact that this organization does this this way, so I'm going to start my own. The problem with that is that we, we end up dividing the support and the, the monetary support among many organizations who don't work together, and then we're not achieving anything. Right. And so the fact that you're using your marketing prowess and, and your organization for the purpose of not only funding your own organization, but helping these other organizations that are doing such great work without necessarily feeling like you have to reinvent the wheel and do it yourself right. is a huge thing. Well, we, we've re, we've re, we're trying to reinvent the fundraising apparatus by coming out with something that's completely different and reinvent the grand prizes so that that's completely different. But trying to reinvent uh, the level of participation of people in the Second Amendment community is something beyond our control. We have to hope that the Second Amendment community is invigorated on their own accord yeah. to come out, come in, step up, and be supportive not only of, of our organization. We are extremely small fish in a very big pond. I'm extremely small. But that little fish is, might be the one that swims up your trunks and bites you on the butt. Oh, you I'm, know, so glad you said, <laughs> I'm so glad you went there instead of someplace yeah. else. Hey, I'm the, like, okay, where's not, the bleep button? It's not, one of the, it's not one of those South American ones that, we're going to go to far. Yeah, no, but like I said, we, we, do, we, we do pack a wallet because we can get in and do things that a lot of other groups can't do. Yeah. Because we are really, we, we bill ourselves as America's only no compromise Second Amendment organization, even though we're not a Second Amendment organization. We're a civil rights organization that happens to specialize in the Second Amendment because we will be there to fight for any other cause if that we feel that it's a violation and we can be there to lend our help and support. We're going to do it. Just being able to specialize in the Second Amendment, well, that's because that's our passion because we know without it, everything else falls. 
This podcast needs your help. Send your entire wallet to The Gun Guy, 1313 Mockingbird Lane, Transylvania. Frank, we're out of time, but I, I thank you so very much for coming. I'm so glad we bumped into each other because I was wondering, you know, is, are we going to see Frank this year? And we, oh, you, it wouldn't have been the same if we hadn't. Yeah, so. yeah I'm going to be like the shingles. So I'm going to come back on you when you don't expect <laughs> it. I'm just going to keep reading. I'm going to come back. You know, it doesn't matter how you've inoculated yourself. If you've been to SHOT Show once, you're now susceptible to the Frank Johnson virus. <laughs> you, we're going to keep coming back. But if I if I can just one more minute. Okay, any, yeah, go ahead. Uh, sure. To any people, listen, we have a good time talking with Joel, and we have a great time coming to SHOT Show. But there is a real serious element of what we're trying to do, and we could really use everybody's help. So if you guys can jump on a phone or a laptop, whatever uh, electronic communication device you have, and look us up on the internet at l1f.us. Uh, you're going to find some really cool articles. Our YouTube channels and all the rest of our social media is there. We are trying to make a difference, but we need you guys to help. And by the way, P.S., if whoever wins that rifle, i got to get this out. The Beretta long-distance shooting team is going to be zeroing that rifle in once it's produced. We're going to be firing that rifle at Special Ops Fitness in Mooresville, North Carolina. That's owned by our good friend Cody Nix, Special Forces. And we're going to have the Beretta team down there. And we're also going to have Pat McNamara coming out and giving a couple of shots with it. And before it's delivered to whoever wins it, Every single person that we could possibly get is going to fire it and autograph the case with a photograph of them firing it. So you're going to have a gun with a tremendous provenance that nobody else has. Frank, thank you so very much, brother. Thank you. It's, it's been a joy it, to see it's you. It's been a pleasure. It wouldn't have been the same show without you, man. So I'm uh, glad we ran into Well, hey, well, hopefully we can do this more more often. Our podcast is going to be starting up in about two months. Oh, you got to let me know. Yeah, so yeah we're you got to let me know. Gonna have, absolutely. have you guys on as our inaugural guest. Yeah, absolutely. I can be a guest. I, I suck as a guest, but I'll do my best. No, you don't. No, you don't. You've been you've been on camera with me before. You're fantastic. Every, I, oh, did I do? Did I do okay? Ev- oh, everybody loved the interview, and then um, everyone was like, "Wait, I I don't know that guy." And I was like, "Well, well because you're living under a rock. Get out there. What's wrong with you?" I said, "Where do you, where do you think?" I said, "Why do you think I do what I do?" I said, "Because you know." These it's are the guys all that, because of me. That's why. Well, not just not. <laughs> not, <laughs> it's, not it's not just you. It's mostly you. It's just you. But not just. <laughs> and what's that line? And Leon's getting larger. My head's larger. getting bigger, bigger. <laughs> Pete's over there doing sound effects, blowing up a balloon like my head is expanding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, we just had yeah, awesome. to get some air out of them. So. <laughs> that was fantastic. All right, guys. Thank you very yeah, much. I guys, really appreciate awesome. it. Awesome. Guys, have, have, enjoy the rest of SHOT Show. Love you guys. Thank <laughs> All you. All righty. Bye-bye. Thank you again for listening to the whole thing. If you're still with us, you're a faithful listener of Gun Guy TV. That's for sure. I'm very grateful that you've listened all the way through. If you wouldn't mind supporting us by using our Amazon link, I'd really appreciate it. That's a way that you can support Gun Guy TV. And it costs you absolutely nothing. You just shop Amazon for whatever you want to buy. It doesn't matter what it is. And we get a small commission. The way you can do that is by going to our our website, which you can find at gunguy.tv. You'll also find it if you just go to gunguytv.com or .net. It works either way. And when you get there, there's a banner on the top of the website for Amazon. If you click on that banner, it will take you to Amazon through our affiliate link. And then if you bookmark that link and then just use that bookmark every time you shop Amazon, we make a little commission. It doesn't cost you anything, but it does do a profound job of helping to support this podcast, the video production, and all the other things that we do. So if you wouldn't mind doing that, we really would appreciate it. I know Amazon's not really a very gun-friendly company, but you can pick their pocket a little bit and provide a little funds to help Gun Guy TV stay alive. Well, there you are. Thank you again for listening. Have a wonderful week, and wherever you go, whatever you do, please be safe. You've been listening to the Gun Guy TV podcast. 